Hi, I'm Matt Kirkegaard, and this is Radio Brewers News Live from the West Australian Brewers Association Brewers Conference. Our coverage of the conference is proudly presented by Bintani, which is not only providing the best ingredients for brewers, but also making sure that we can bring the best industry events right to your favourite podcasting app. Today we have two conversations. Firstly, Reese Lopez, head brewer from Other Side Brewing, and then we have Dylan Hunter from Cheeky Monkey. Both are interesting chats with brewers who, on their way to other places, fell into craft beer and then into brewing, and we're glad that they did. Reese was a young journalism student who 14 years ago was saved from taking a part-time job as a supermarket night filler by a friend who instead got him a job as a glassy at Little Creatures and changed his life forever. Then we have Cheeky Monkey's Dylan Hunter, who started working in wine packaging before discovering home brewing and moving to the packaging line at Gage Roads, which saw him move into brewing. Both are engaging young brewers with a great story to tell, and I hope you enjoy both of these conversations. First up, Reese Lopez. Reese Lopez, head brewer from Other Side Brewing. Thank you for joining us for Radio Brews News live from the West Australian Brewers Association uh, Industry Trade Day. <laughs> uh, thanks for having me, Matt. So it's great to be here. My pleasure. Now, mate, as we always say uh, to, to guests that you know, probably aren't household names in the brewing world. Yep. Um, I resent that. <laughs> we're going to make you a household <laughs> name. That's the, that's the reason you're on. But uh, what is the uh, Reese Lopez story? Who is Reese Lopez? Uh, so yeah, I'm I, I'm a I'm a Frio guy. I uh, I guess my kind of craft beer thing started uh, about 13 years ago when I was um, I was I was actually uh, at uni studying uh, broadcast journalism. Okay. And uh, a friend of mine he found out that I was uh, going for a job as a night fill guy kind of thing at a supermarket, and he said, "Nah, it's too boring. You got to come work at my restaurant." And uh, and that restaurant was was Little Creatures. And um, until until then, I'd, I'd kind of thought everything was you know generic macro lager, and I, I liked the you know the bourbon and coke type things, and so it just it blew my mind. And as an 18 year old, it was just a great kind of um, opportunity to kind of uh, see the other side of things. And um, yeah, from then on, I um, I kind of I so, went. So you the, were just a. Uh, for I, I was a glassy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A, 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 a little creature. And 13 years ago, I mean, little creature. Uh, 14 now that I think about 14. it. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. so you're 32 now. So yes, just sort of uh, working it, at yeah, your yeah, age. Yeah, yeah. Uh, everyone's so young to me these days. Uh, but 14 years ago uh, would have been around about the time, 2004, 2005, when I was um, I first went to Little Creatures. And that was a groundbreaking venue. It was, yeah. Uh, when, it first, when it first opened. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was, um, it was, it was really cool. And, um, and uh, it was actually just a great place to, uh, to work. And, um, you, know, you know, when you're 18, you're kind of... Uh, you know, first moving out of home and all that kind of stuff, and and a lot of the um, the people that I worked with then are uh, people that are still in the craft beer industry now that are you know were like um, some of my best friends. I'm gonna have to dig through the photos that we took when we we came because I had a photographer with me and uh, just to see if you weren't one of the. Uh Faces floating I, around in the background. So you want to look for a ratty ponytail and real dirty sideburns. That's uh, and, and about about twenty kilos lighter than I am now. So, so that that'll that'll get you close. Okay, so you, so you, you were studying broadcast journalism. Yeah. Um, I, I, I hear journalism is just a dead profession. <laughs> so they, 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 they tell me um, craft beer is on the up. But you didn't have any intention of going into to brewing. But uh, there was obviously something about that experience that you know fired a, a, a desire in you 
Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, um, once I kind of discovered uh, beer 14 years ago, I went through all the, um, the the German and the Belgian and the you know some of the some of the English ales that came over heavily oxidized in the flint glass and and uh, and then but then all this American stuff would come over you know cooked and but I was reading all about it and there were styles that I'd never been able to taste that I really wanted to try and so I just kind of had to you know either pay for these expensive imports that turned out to be disappointments or try and learn how to do it myself you know so I um my my palate was more sophisticated than my wallet so it was an easy choice <laughs> so so the classic homebrew trying to make great beer cheaper than you could buy it uh, it was it was more of an addiction to novelty like I wanted to try things that I hadn't that I'd read about but I hadn't experienced before Okay, so what was your early uh, progress into into brewing? Did you go straight into all brewing, uh, all grain, or did you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, because I was lucky enough to kind of have friends that were commercial brewers and 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 craft beer salespeople and all that kind of stuff. I kind of had a lot of exposure to the you know quote unquote proper ways of doing things. Um, so yeah, I just kind of uh, bit the bullet and and you know spent all my tip money on a uh, on a kind of an all grain kit made out of old kegs. Uh, yeah. And how long were you at Little Creatures? Uh, oh, I was I was at Little Creatures on and off for uh, a number of years, um, but I'd always like kind of work there for a year and a half, and then go travelling, and then come back a year later, and then kind of do that. It was it was a, it was a great kind of home base to kind of explore Australia and Asia and stuff like that. What was your first brewing gig? Going from uh, moving from the home brewer into actually sort of working in a professional. Yeah. Um, so. After kind of working in hospitality and being a home brewer, I, I then was a sales rep for a little while and I eventually landed a gig uh, at Nail out of Brewcorp where I was kind of doing a little bit of hands-on stuff and a little bit of sales, uh, mostly kind of packaging, filling cakes and all that kind of stuff. Um, then after that I left and, uh, and Dirk Penny, who I knew from Little Creatures, uh, hired me at Gage Roads mm-hmm. and uh, you know scrubbing floors and then moving on to brewing. Dirk, who's the head brewer now? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know what his role is now. He, well, I think he's moved into... I was there yesterday, hence the uh, hoodie. But uh, <laughs> he was... Uh, yeah, so he's sort of still there. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, he's, he's still a, the big boss band throwing his weight around. <laughs> How long did you spend at Gage Roads? Oh, man. Uh, I want to say just under two years, something like that. Yeah. And then, uh, and then uh, uh, another friend of mine... I knew from Little Creatures, uh, was hiring someone to um, kind of be an assistant distiller at Hippocampus. Uh, it was Lex Paulson. Yep. And, uh, and yeah, so I went over and, and did that for a while as well. So, so you've learned bits and pieces from all over the industry. You've, you've sort of had a real uh, you know, sort of grounding across a, a wide range. How important is that, do you think, as a brewer? Um, oh, because Matt, I... look, you don't have to be polite about it. I'm just a flight risk. It wasn't measured or planned in any way. It's just a, like, um, so I've been at other side for three years now, and it's the longest job I've had in my life. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're still young. I mean, <laughs> so uh, how did you come to be at other side? Uh, a friend of a friend approached me, and, um, and he said he wanted to talk to me about some stuff, and then I did a bit of research on him because, you know, he just kind of called me out of the blue. And I realised I was working for this company, which was um, started by guys that used to do music festivals, so like Southbound and uh, Blues and Roots, West Coast and stuff like that. Um, so I just presumed that he wanted to have a chat about. They wanted. I, I presumed they wanted to make a beer and they wanted to get it contracted at Gage Roads, and he wanted a more of a an unbiased perspective on that because I'd worked at Gage Roads and, and at that time. Um, but yeah, then they uh, they told me that they wanted me to make them a beer for uh, uh, music festivals. And I was like, yeah, that's cool, but I kind of want a real job of it, you know? <laughs> so we slowly uh, morphed the plan into a, an established brewery, eventually. 
And it started as a gypsy or as a um, yep. gypsy operation, but it's now a fairly substantial uh, brew house that has then expanded uh, down to Fremantle. Yeah, yeah. So we've got two breweries now, which is twice as many as I really ever wanted. Um, but yeah, so we've just kind of commissioned the brewery down in Frio. So Myeri is our kind of industrial base. We've got a like a, a just a twenty hectare vessel kit, um, pumping out about half a million liters a year at the minute. Um, but we've just expanded to a little. Um, a small kit in a much larger venue down in Fremantle. Frio Social is the uh... yeah Frio Social. So it's a really cool, um, uh, really cool live music venue. Uh, about 550, 600 capacity um, in the in the music hall, and then 200, 250 in the kind of beer beer garden. I was lucky enough to go through when they were still constructing it. It's a pretty impressive facility. Have like you it... been there since it's opened? No, I haven't been there since it's You'll opened. You have to come check so it out. I, I will. Unfortunately, I'm flying back tomorrow, but it just gives me a reason to come back to. Uh, <laughs> To, to WA again, which I really need to do because it's there's just so much exciting stuff happening here. Yeah. But talk to me about going from, you know, again, somebody who's gone from home brewing, you've yep. sort of uh, had a bit of a journeyman's um, yep. process through through the industry, you've learned under some great people, yep. um, you've seen little creatures up close, you've seen gay roads up close, um, but you, you've, you've not done formal um, study. Um, how, how does somebody young get into the industry and get the experience that they can run a fairly substantial regional-sized brewery um, as a first head brewing gig? Um, I guess I don't know that my way is kind of exemplary of how it should be done now. I think, I think when I started 14 years ago, it was a lot smaller, a lot more kind of cowboyish. You can kind of get away with the way that I did things. Um, for people trying to get into it now, I'd really recommend getting some kind of uh, formal science qualification. Um, and uh, but then again, on the other hand, when I started at um, at other side three years ago, I was the only person, and I kind of did all the bits, you know. So I was trying to, I was going, you know, driving down south to brew a beer farm, and then I'd drive the stock back up, and I'd go put it into warehouse, and then I'd go do the sales, then I'd do like print out the dockets and deliver that, and organize ingredients, and you know all that kind of stuff. It was. Um, it was uh, it was pretty much a, 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 a two-person operation. Myself and uh, and uh, Shelley and accounts is still there and still going strong. Um, but yeah, so like I I don't recommend anyone doing it like we did it. <laughs> I think that it's funny that you know again someone at the still young age of thirty-two uh, yeah, um, yeah. It, 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 it has that sort of experience in the industry where you can sort of look back over the fourteen years and see the change that's happening. Uh, do you think that we are Beyond the era of the bootstrapper, you know the the, 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 the home garage, you know the home um, garage band um, recording, uh, you know, on their laptop and putting out um, a, a CD style brewery. I I don't think that. Um, I think we are we're actually it's actually more um, accessible to that kind of person than ever before because the knowledge that's out there. Like I mean, everyone's walking around with the internet in, in their pocket, and it's the collective knowledge of you know, the entire brewing industry for the last 30 years is, is there, is accessible, so your fingertips. Um, you know, you can, you, can, you can deal with China directly and get some tanks that are not going not gonna to send you bankrupt, or, you know, you can, um, uh, you can get someone, someone, you can find someone local who can design a label for you, get it printed and back to you in seven days. And I think, I think the ability to be able to do that through technology and the interconnectedness of, of everything is actually, it's easier now than ever before. But how about the skills to drive all of that? You, 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 the capacity is there. 
but you need to be able to have the skills to, to drive the kit once you get it and get yeah. consistently good beer out. And, and how do you get those um, just coming up through the ranks? Yeah, um, I think friends of mine um, have started breweries as home brewers and, man, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that myself. That looks like a nightmare. Yeah. Um, just not knowing, uh, you know, like, how do you prime a pump? How do you change a seal? How do you do all these kinds of, like, those kinds of things that just happen from just being a floor scrubber guy? Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't want to do it that way. That's, that way looks very hard. <laughs> <laughs> so what excites you about beer? So many things. Like, I, I just love being able to um, just see a tank fill and, like, feel, the, feel the, uh, the reward for your labor and, like, by being able to visually see what you've achieved. That's great. Um, seeing people enjoy your beer. Like, I remember the first time a recipe I designed and brewed um, and packaged, uh, seeing someone order that over the bar and, you know, tell their friend about how much they liked it. That was a really a really rewarding feeling. Um, I really love uh, the culture and the industry. And, you know, the, the, I mean, it's been my entire adult life has been spending craft beer. So most of my friends, everyone at my wedding was, was craft beer related in some way or another, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> So you, you don't think back to uh, the, the days of broadcast journalism and think, I really wish I'd finished that? Uh, I was, uh, I, uh, I made that decision when I was a dumb 17-year-old. I wanted to be a war correspondent. You know? <laughs> like, then I got a connection and I was like, I'm just writing stories off the wire. I don't want to do this. <laughs> you know, it's much better to you know, get my hands dirty and uh, clean some floors. Yeah, well, I like to think of myself as a war correspondent in the, uh, in, in, in the craft beer revolution. Uh, it seems like the most fun war I've ever seen. <laughs> and we've got better beer. Yeah, that's right, uh, that's right. So talk to me a little bit about other sides. So we've got the, the background yeah. from it. What's the approach to, to their beers and, 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 and what are you bringing to the beer? Yeah, so when we first started... Um, we were uh, we were making beer for um, a camping festival down in in, uh, in Busselton uh, and Busselton Bunbury. I don't I don't know. Um, but essentially, we needed to make a beer that was uh, accessible to people that weren't maybe they hadn't had a lot of exposure to craft beer, or maybe they had the kind of the craft washed kind of macro kind of craft stuff. A festival, festival, yeah, exactly. entry level festival beer. Yeah, so the festival was four point two percent. It was designed to be kind of you could drink ten of them in the sunshine, and and, and it's okay. Not that we recommend that. Oh, well, I mean, it helped help me help me buy the breweries. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like that kind of philosophy of having everything in balance was really important from day one, and um, you know, I, th- I think you kind of got to have an approach where. Uh, if you want something that's bitter, it's got to have a, a component that's soft and sweet. If you want something that's uh, that's high in alcohol, you want to have a component to it that's sessionable, and vice versa. If you want, if you want a mid-strength beer, you want it to have heft to it, and every, everything needs to kind of have something pulling it back into the other direction. I and think, I think that's, that's called balance. Is the yeah, word yeah, that we're yeah. Searching I, for. I, but yeah. I think, um, you know, like I think, all, well, most chefs that I know are really into cooking as well, and it's that same principle. You know, you have yep. you have your, your salt and your acid and your sourness and your, your, your you know whatever. Yeah, so so that's what uh, got got you. That, that was the start of the. the I, well, that's the kind of philosophy of, of, of how we do things at other side now. Um, we now that we've kind of got a bit more brand recognition, we can kind of do things that are a bit more out there, and people will take a risk on us because they've had other beers that they've liked from us before. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so now we're kind of doing more experimental stuff. But at the end of the day, we kind of we really still want to keep everything, no matter what it is, you want it to be kind of a, a sessionable, balanced beer. We would like to thank Rallings Labels, Stickers and Packaging for sponsoring this edition of Beer as a Conversation. 
If you are looking for a more efficient way to package your small run, collaboration or special release beers, make sure you have your own conversation with the guys from Rallings Label Stickers and Packaging. They specialise in supplying ready-to-fill, shrink-sleeved cans or bottles to the craft beer industry. They take care of everything for you and take the pain out of packaging your special brews. If you would prefer a label or sticker on your cans or bottles, Rallings can help with this as well. Just give Paul or Brad a call on 1300 852 235 to discuss how they can help you. If you can't stop to write down that number right now, it's in the show notes with a link to their website. And how about Frio Social? Are, are, you, are you just doing... So now I'm going to be a liar or make myself a liar from what I just said. So the Frio Social kit is five heck and... Uh, and I've kind of got license just to do weird stuff with that one. Um, so that's going to be really cool. Uh, going to get to um, basically do one unique beer a week, uh, ongoing forever, um, which means that we're never going to kind of repeat anything. And it means that we're kind of, um, you know, there's like a, there might be a new hop that we like, we get to try that out. Or, you know, like um, I, I, I really like uh, Triticale um, as, as a grain. So being able to, you know, chuck some in this and see how it performs, or maybe put in a saison, or maybe you know, like stuff like that is is really good. It's really good kind of um, R and D workshop for us. But how does that work in a in a music venue where people aren't really coming to the venue for the novelty of the beers? They're, yep, yeah, they're, for they're, sure. They're, they're coming because they want to watch a band and have yep. something that's probably not going to distract from that. Well, I mean, it's it's. We're not we're not only selling the the wacky spirulina ales or anything like that. Um, where we still have um, uh, we've got fifty six taps through the venue in the live music uh, portion. There's twenty four taps mm-hmm. um, that are all kind of in, independently plumbed. So we we have you know our general core range stuff. Um, we have a few beers from our friends. Um, you know like kind of rotating a few tap points. Um, we have the wacky stuff as well. But you know we've got we've got aperol spritz on tap and, and stuff like that. Like yeah. it's 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 it's, it's not exclusive or trying to um, dictate craft beer to anyone. It's um, it's but it's it's one of the few venues I know that actually has a solid uh, craft beer offering and added a cool live music venue. Where do you see the the, the the local industry going? And you know how important is it that something like Other Side has a Frio social um, component to to mark you out in what is becoming an increasingly crowded um, landscape? Um, yeah, I. I think I don't know that it is uh, too crowded, as as some say. I think there's plenty of room for for more entrance into the market. Um, I think what you're saying uh, about having something like Frio Social is important, um, but not not because you know music is a thing and, and that's our brand. Like we we like to support the arts, but that's more of a, a personal interest. Um, I think it, it's more that uh, it's good to have have a home base. It's good to have a, a soul to your to your company and to your brand and to all that kind of stuff. Um, and it's it's also got really pragmatic advantages that you know people can come and buy your beer from a place where they know it's going to be fresh and they pay you immediately, not thirty days after the invoice is due, <laughs> and, and all that kind of stuff. Like it's, there's a lot of advantages to having a tap room in whatever form it takes. Yeah. But you say that you're not a, a like a music brand, but at the same time, it's a business that's grown out of the um, the, the music festival industry. Yep. Um, th- th- there's got to be some fairly strong elements of music in, in in the brand's DNA, surely. Yeah, very much so. But it's it's like um, uh, we we support a lot of uh, creative 
Well, we, we try and support as many aspects of creative um, uh, life as possible. We've recently got this uh, deal with the Art Gallery WA and we're going to be pouring there. Um, we've, we've uh, with all our kind of experimental beer, well, uh, the pilot series beers, we'd commission local artists to use their work. Um, we've done stuff with, um, uh, I can't remember what it's called, um, a film thing, like for, for small indie filmmakers. Um, we, we try and support just the creative arts in general because that's, that's what the, the founders are really passionate about that. You, you said earlier that it's not that we're not past the realms of bootstrapping yourself into a business. Yeah. Do you think we could be past the, the stage of just opening a brewery and going, I can make good beer and that's enough? Yes. I do think we're past that, yeah. Um, uh, good beer is, is uh, crucial, but it's not the only aspect that matters. I think you need, you need to have, um, you know, you've got to have good people selling your stuff. You need to have good design on your labels. You need to have... Um, good relationships with venues and and you need to have uh you also need to be making beers that people want to drink now you know like you might have the best um you know uh wit beer outside of belgium but that's not a style that people are drinking now they're drinking it 10 years ago but there's not enough there's not enough space in that market for that to sustain you I feel a little bit sad because <laughs> 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 Feral White, like straight away, I thought of Feral White, exactly, which was yeah, their which was, a, and, uh, which was a, a, a wonderful thing, um, and and had a great space in the market before everyone fell in love with dry hopping and kettle sours. And even now, we, we find it, you know, for, for all of the love that people give to lagers, and you know, I, I think particularly a lot of people who observe the beer industry yep. sort of talk about a love of pilsner. Yeah. Um, a number of breweries have brought out Pilsters and I've just been hearing that a couple of them are going to be discontinuing them because Pilsners are too challenging for the mainstream and not interesting enough for, for the pointy end and yet I, I think it's one of the most beautiful beers going. Yeah, I mean, I'm more of a Hellers guy myself, okay. but I, I, get, I get your point. Like, we've got a, we've got a Hellers, um, which is, uh, yeah, same deal. I mean, it, it's a low-volume beer, Although, um, is which it, is what we sell. So but, I uh, thought the Hellers was, would have been bang in that sort of uh, entry level for people that want to push the boat out but still sail in the uh, side of their shore. Yeah, but, like, I mean, the way I think about it, it's like if you owned a bottle shop, where do you put a craft lager? Do you put it in the craft section with the other stuff, or do you put it... Where, where the commercial macro international lagers are or, you know, like there's a, there's a kind of a, an identity crisis for a craft lager, like a, a pale craft lager that could be really well made, it could be whatever, but because there's, um, uh, there's just, there's, how do you access that person that might not be into craft that drinks their generic stuff? Or how do you, con- or are you trying to convince the person that likes IPAs to try a lager? That's a great question. How do you do it? I don't know. I mean, I'd, I'd suggest to bottle shops to put uh, social lager in, in both shelf points, but they won't do that. They're not going to. That was <laughs> that was the first thing I thought of as well. But then you think of the uh, there's not enough shelf space as it is for the most bottle shops. The logistics would be a nightmare. Yeah. Um, so, so, but that is a good question. You know, do you put a brand that the mainstream consumer isn't going to recognise in amongst the well-recognised brands and, and hope and that they pick it up? Yeah, arguably they're the most. Um, uh, brand awareness driven section of the beer market is is the mainstream drinker. That's, I mean, that's why it's it's so marketing dominant in that Because they've that got field. their brand and they're just going to go pick up their brand or yeah. maybe something that's on special that week. Exactly. Um, whereas the craft beer drinker, which infuriates all of us because they just don't want to have the same beer twice. Yeah, or well, that addiction to novelty. I can relate yeah. to that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> 
So there, there you go. So we, we might have to uh, get you on for a marketing podcast just to talk a little bit about it or get a retailer on. Uh, that would make the marketing guys in my company laugh a lot. <laughs> okay, Reese, uh, just before we let you go, because uh, lunch is being served here at the, uh, the, the, the trade day, and I don't want you to miss out on that. Thank you. Um, what next for other side? Okay, so we um, it, we had a couple of uh, a couple of false starts on the five heck kit down at Freo Social. Um, I'm just rolling out the first beers out of tank now. Um, we're looking at um, we're looking at launching those all at once, the first four all at once, and then from then on, one a week. So that'll kickstart me doing that. Um, we've got a couple of interesting beers in tank at uh, Myeri, so we're gonna have a few new can releases, which I'm excited about. I don't know if I'm allowed to say anything. Uh, no when was this coming no, out? No one, no one listens to this anyway. <laughs> when, 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 when do you think it'll come out? It'll come out in the next week or two. Ah, so. screw it. We've got a barley wine I'm okay, pretty excited nice. about. Nice. Uh, first crack at it. Um, barley wine uh, in cans? Yeah. <laughs> well, we don't have a bottling line. But, yeah, um, no, it's okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, barley wine in cans, which is... Um, uh, I've had a few attempts at uh, high-grave beers, and I think this one's the, the best result so far. Okay. Very exciting. And how... You guys are just uh, WA um, distributing at the moment. You're not, you're not going across the country yet? No, nah, no. Nah, we've got a dude, Chase, who's a legend over in... Uh, he lives in Melbourne, but he services New South Wales, Victoria and Queensland. Okay. Um, so he's only just come along with us, um, but he's just got his permanent residency, so that's awesome. Uh, and uh, yeah, he's, uh, he's, he's, he's doing well. It's, uh, it's obviously a very crowded market on the East Coast. But, um, but yeah, we're around, we're around. It's feeling a little bit, you, you, you say that, but it's feeling a little bit crowded on the West Coast as well. There are a lot of breweries, and there are a lot of really good breweries over here. And uh, I was speaking to uh, Dave Croft, who's uh, a, a beer consumer over here, and he just came over for it, and he was just really talking up the quality and of brands that he'd never even heard of. Yeah, okay. Um, I think it, it might be easier for people on the East Coast to come to the West Coast, though, because I think... Um, uh, West Australians have that inferiority complex where we assume that a Sydney's brewery is doing it better than we are kind of thing. Look, uh, well, I, mean, I don't agree. But... I, well, having tried the beers, um, I haven't had a, I literally haven't had a bad beer um, over here, but I'm a big believer that... Now I know you haven't come to Free Social. <laughs> but I, I'm a big believer that, you know, beer doesn't travel, we do. And yeah. we should get out and visit, um, you know, holiday at home basically and yep, uh, go nice. and visit breweries and go and uh, you know get over to Western Australia and really spend a, you know a week getting out to check out the breweries and some of the lovely local attractions oh man it's, it's my favorite part of Australia I really like WA so uh, yeah yeah if you're listening come over come say hi <laughs> Reese Lopez thank you very much for giving up a bit of your uh, day during uh, Western Australia Beer Week and also the uh, the trade conference to talk to Radio Brews News cheers Matt nice to be here and that was Reese Lopez, and now for Dylan Hunter. Dylan Hunter from Cheeky Monkey, welcome to Radio Brews News Live from the Western Australian uh, Brewers Conference. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. Mate, uh, it's an absolute pleasure. Now, as I said to you just off mic, you know, we've not met before and I don't know much about you, so let's uh, kick off by sort of asking the, uh, who is Dylan Hunter? Yeah, well, I got started in the industry with um, wine packaging, pretty much. Okay. So, yeah, started a um, long time ago, about 2006, 
Okay. Um, so yes. you, but you, you, you're still pretty young. Just to give it people that don't know uh, who you are, so how old are you now? I'm um, 32. Okay, 30. <laughs> same, I was just speaking to Reese Lopez and yeah, he yeah. was uh, v- yeah. very much the same. So uh, it, it sounds like you've about the same vintage. Yeah, yeah, we've worked before uh, together before at um, Gage Roads. So from wine packaging, I moved into um, yeah Gage Roads just from home brewing. Before uh, we move on to, before we move into that ele- yep. element, how did you get into wine packaging? What was the, the background there? Because you were obviously uh, that was just a, a so. casual casual hand. It was just you know advertised in the local paper. Yep, as you would pick up a job back then. And, and where's local for you? Uh, so that was uh, down in Bustleton. Okay. Yeah. So I started out there and was doing that for probably about 10 years. Um, yeah, and then uh, moved on to Gage Roads after, um, yeah, home brewing. So I just sort of got into the passion of it and went, well, I'm already in the industry. Like, I'll, I'll give them a buzz and see if I can get a spot on the packaging line and... Yeah, within maybe about six months, uh, they put me into the brew house, mm-hmm. um, and then probably another seven or eight months after that, I got poached by Feral. Okay, so. and, and uh, Gage seems pretty good at that, though, because you know they they do have a fairly hardworking brewery, and they're always looking for young brewers to to, to, to train up. So, was that a good opportunity? Was it a career break for you to go oh, from packaging to brewing? It was fantastic. Like without it, I wouldn't be here today. I don't think. Um, they've helped me out heaps, and I still see the guys now and thank them. And, and, and but not so much that you stayed there. You sort of went off. You you allowed yourself get poached. Oh well, Feral was my favourite brewery at the time, <laughs> so there was no way that I could say no to that offer. Um, but yeah, so I moved over there, and probably it was about a year, and my um, my partner picked up a job nursing in Bustleton, which was sort of the end of me at Feral, which is a bit upsetting. I shed a mm. tear and um, landed a job at Bootleg Brewery as assistant brewer. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and Bootleg, it, it probably doesn't have the the national profile that it once did, but you know, if you go back to the, the early 2000s, it was one of the few breweries. Yeah, it was the, um, the first one in the region. Um, and it's the second oldest um, operating brewery in WA mm. after Last Drop. Yep, and uh, and they've got a pretty interesting uh, range of beers uh, that they've been brewing down there. I haven't been, I have to admit, I haven't been down there for more than a decade. So uh, how are things going down there now with all of the competition? Um, well, there's over 20 breweries in the region, it's, so it's pretty um, chaotic uh, and competitive. Um, yeah, so, yeah, obviously Cheeky Monkey came up about six years, six or seven years ago now, and, um, yeah, they were advertising for a, uh, a head brewer, which was, I've been working towards for all this time, I guess. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I was at, um, Bootleg Brewery for two years, and then this job came up, I, yeah, I applied for it, and surprisingly... Um, well, just landed the job, just short. straight into it. But, but it sounds like you've had a pretty good career progression, you know, sort of working the packaging line at Gage, 
going to the brew deck, sort of learning, you know, getting a good grounding there, going to Feral where you can get a really, you know, you, you get a great um, mentor there with uh, Brennan Barris and Will um, working for them and then going down to an assistant in a more regional brewery. Um, so it, it, it sounds like you've had a fairly good step up into your career. Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah, a good progression as you put it, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I picked up a lot of information from different breweries, and I think that's been very helpful. Like, um, I couldn't have got all of that information from one brewery. It's just sort of piecing together what information I thought was relevant, and um, yeah, pieced it together to take to Cheeky Monkey. This episode of Beer is a Conversation is brought to you by Unleashed Software. Unleashed is more than inventory management software for brewers. It's a system that runs your whole business operations and gives you an unfair advantage. With Unleashed, you can create custom recipes, effortlessly track your cereal and batch numbers, and understand your stock levels at all times at every location. Learn how Unleashed can help you run and grow your brewery at unleashedsoftware.com forward slash brew. are obviously going okay for your cheeky monkey as head brewer because you took home the trophy this year at the AIBAs. Yeah, so we got um, yeah the only trophy in WA at this um, International Beer Awards. Um, yeah, so it was for our uh, New World Paolo, um, which was crazy, and I don't think I've really even processed it yet. <laughs> um, yeah, that was very surprising and... Yeah, I still can't believe it. So how long have you been at Cheeky Monkey then? Only about uh, six or seven months now. Wow, so really like that would have been some of the first beers you pushed through. Um, Yeah, yeah. So I started making um, uh, recipe changes, just um, sort of moving some hops around and stuff like that. And yeah, so that that being the first trophy that Cheeky Monkey have got in the AIBAs was really, really... It was a good pat on the back after all the hard work that me and my team... Um, put in over the, the sort of busy months. So talk to us a little bit about Cheeky Monkey. Uh, I've had a few comments from people on the East Coast that, you know, they, they hear a little bit about what's coming over here, but you know, and, and you hear of Cheeky Monkey, but you don't get really a sense of its brand position and, and what it is across the other side of the, the, the country. So tell me in your words, what is Cheeky Monkey and what are you trying to achieve? Well, from my perspective, I, I'm sort of more the about the liquid. That's That's all me. But yeah, from I, I guess the big idea is just a, we're starting to ex- expand now. We've just um, we've upgraded to a uh, 2,500 litre brew house um, on a new site, um, and we're just going to go into full production and um, yeah, get, we'll, we'll hopefully just um, sort of flood the market of Australia wide. Um, and the idea of export has been floated as well. Yeah, so we just really want to expand. We're sort of we were running at capacity, and so how, how big a brew house is it? So it's twenty five hundred litre brew house, uh, premier stainless. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've got uh, eight fermenters and two bright tanks, and then we've got a canning and bottling line. Yeah, we've got both. 
Okay, and, and what was the were you involved in that decision, or that had been taken before you got there? Uh, I took over about halfway through. Okay, um, so everything was ordered and all that, and then I sort of just came in to install it, basically. Okay, and what what's the advantages or the disadvantages of running both lines? Well, canning is the way of the future. I think that people are going to go for cans going going forward. Um, but there's there's also a market for bottles, especially um, really South Southeast Asia. Uh, really, um, sort of market asks for bottles. Mm-hmm. Um, as with wine, I learnt was um, they they still get, go for corks. Where oh, okay. In Australia, we sort of look at corks and go that, that's actually pretty bad for the wine. Yeah, yeah. I think it's all in the sort of the theatre of drinking beer yeah just popping a top off a bottle and and drinking it that way okay um yeah so so what volume uh, are you guys doing annually if, if, if that's something you guys talk about um we look we were running at um a quarter of a million liters a year um and at the moment because we've only been brewing out of the new brew house for about three months um, we've sort of calculated that at an easy one million to start, mm-hmm. um, and in the next four or five years, we want to be up at four million okay. per annum. And you guys are brewing beer for Singapore Airlines, is that for who? Sorry, Singapore Airlines or um, no? So uh, Singapore Airlines were doing uh, craft. They were trial and crafting business yeah, class. So yeah, so they were they were doing that for a while um, and then they just stopped it because they weren't selling enough ah, okay um, people weren't buying craft beer in first class so That's it was only in first class yep. and um, cheeky monkey were only supplying um, for flights from Perth right um, and there were, there was another few craft breweries all over Australia that were doing the same and yep. then they just put a stop to it. Oh, that's interesting I because you never get the media releases when they stop doing yeah, something, yeah. only when they start doing yep. something. So that's interesting. So tell us about your range. Um, so we have, I'm trying to think of how many beers we have in our new core range, <laughs> um, but we run um, a pale ale, a West Coast style IPA, a, a session ale, which is sort of like a four... Four and a half percent, easy drinking ale. Mm-hmm. We've got uh, mid strength, which is um, we were previously doing a red ale, but we've moved on to a pale ale style mid strength. Talk us through that decision. Was the red ale not selling? Because quite um, often you do. Yeah, see yeah. It was so purely a, a sales side. There, there wasn't much. Um, it was a popular beer within circles, but I think. The people who generally drink mid-strength were not going for it. They thought, uh, you know, automatically look at it, go, oh, it's too too dark or too bitter. Um, yeah, so it, it was a personal favourite of mine. Um, but, yeah, that's about ma- what the market wants. Mm. Um, absolutely. Um, but we also do a lager and we do a cider. Um, and you make yeah. the cider yourselves? Yeah, so we just do from uh, Manjumup Apples. Um, so we, we have an off-site crush, and then they send it up in juice, and, and then we ferment it and take it over from there. Mm-hmm. So that's a core range of five in the cider, if I'm kept track, or wasn't? <laughs> we were both counting uh, on yeah. 
again, I'm asking a lot of this because we don't have the background on, on the East Coast. To, yep. uh, do, do you do a lot of seasonals? Is there a lot of, uh, like, do you have a seasonal program? Uh, yes. We do four seasonals um, for each each season. Um, we do a, a, a Russian Imperial Stout, 10%, which we've just released. We do a, um, an Imperial Red Ale for autumn. We do a double IPA through spring, and then we were looking at putting a NEPA on through summer. Mm-hmm. Um, and then whenever we have tank space, we pretty much just fill it up with whatever we want <laughs> to try and keep the market um, interested. So, I mean, we're six months out from summer at the moment. Um, do you think NEPAs will still be in demand then? It must be, it must be hard forecasting your seasonals when consumers are so changeable. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, I agree with that. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think it's still a popular style. It's going to be a popular style going forward. Um, it's been around for a while now. It's, it doesn't look like it's moving on as fast as, say, um, you know, the Brute IPAs. Yeah, the, the, they, <laughs> they of, came and went, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I, I think we're still going to see demand for uh, Neepers, but if not, we can always put something different down when it when the time comes yep okay now i i can't speak to you i know you're on the liquid side of the business rather than the the branding and the marketing side but obviously we've we've seen recently um an adverse finding against the the, the branding in a fairly technical decision from 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 ABAC. when something like that happens um in a business um how does that impact upon upon you guys um there was zero impact on our side we got a lot of uh, i got a lot of emails and calls just asking if we were handling it okay and whatever but um but yeah what what we're doing is we're just um phasing out uh that packaging and just moving on to the new stuff it, was, it wasn't a like we legally have to do it or anything like that it was just um yeah we decided to go um with with the market, I guess. If, yeah. if, there, if there's a problem there, then we want to address it instead of just ignoring it and um, just saying that they're wrong. Yeah. Well, I mean, Brent's response was really good. You know, like he, he wanted to, he, he, he said, he was very supportive of what ABAC's trying to achieve. But this is one of those cases where I think as a observer, you sort of look at it and try and work out exactly what was the, the damage being done. It's a challenging time for brewers um, to, to try and be distinctive and a little bit different, but at the same time, um, not fall foul of the, the, these codes that, that are also very important. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't think, like, I think if anything, the impact on us was positive. Because okay. we, we got landed in the paper yet again. <laughs> um, People know your name. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, I, there was no negative impact as far as I can see, and um, yeah, we're just going to move on like um, we'd already planned to do. So Dylan, what's next for uh, Cheeky Monkey? So wh- wh- where to from here? Um, you, you were talking about looking at getting into Asia. Yeah, so I, I think that'll be down the track, but we will. Um, we're just sort of working on expanding this brewery. It's still in the inf- infancy. Um, yeah, we're still sort of tuning in the kit and, and getting everything sorted, all the systems in place to actually run a production facility instead of a brew pub. Um, yeah, yeah. So I think for now we're just looking at 
um, getting getting the brewery together, get it working really well, and then we'll look at uh, where to go from there. Is it a challenging making that business pivot from something that you're you, you getting an immediate reaction from your consumers because you're running a, a brew pub as a brewer, you can see the people enjoying your beer to suddenly starting to sell more beer off-site and losing that little bit of contact while also thinking about all of the challenges you've got with a with a bigger brew house yeah well um we have a, a really good team and we all communicate really well together so um yeah if there's any problems or any compliments of our product um we we know about it quite quite quickly um and it's not just our team. The, the consumers are fantastic as well. They'll uh, sometimes just send us direct emails or um, yeah, whatever there, and then um, we can sort of address it without there being an issue at all. Um, but, yeah, so we, we know if something's going well or not um, pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Well, Dylan, thank you very much for spending a little bit of time uh, with us on Radio Brews News Live from Western Australia Brewers Conference. And uh, all the very best with Cheeky Monkey. And uh, hopefully, uh, with this expanded brew house, we'll start to see uh, a few of the beers make their way across the continent. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me. My pleasure. Fantastic. And that was Dylan Hunter. I hope you enjoyed both of those chats as much as I did having it with them. Don't forget, if you like what we do at Radio Brews News, you can help us out in a number of ways. You can sponsor the show, either by a small monthly contribution or through a one-off donation. You can find details in the show notes. You can review our podcast on iTunes or your favourite podcasting service. Let us know what you think and help others discover the show. Finally, you can tell us directly what you think by sending an email to producer at brewsnews.com.au. Thank you.